You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our 100th episode of the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a special episode in which we shall reflect back on things and probably have a little bit more fun than usual. I am joined, as always, by Sexy Irish Sean and Rick. How are you guys doing? Good. Woo! Hello. I, I was told not to reflect back on things. That's bad. It's always good to look forward. The rear, There's a reason the windshield's larger than the rear view mirror. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. I, this is an exciting episode because it kind of marks an accomplishment. 100 episodes that I, <laughs> I've had to cut and edit. That's, <laughs> that's 100 weeks consistently. I think I should get like a badge or something, like a little certificate to put on my wall. Because I, I feel like I've unlocked an achievement. You know, I've kind of like, I've got like, I should get a title or something. I think I'll, I'll get you one from our uh, podcast hosting company because they actually sent us little achievements. But oh, cool. um, <laughs> I think we missed one. I think somewhere in the last year, we we skipped a week. We skipped a week? Yeah, I Might think have. we're a week behind. I might have been dying with something. <laughs> we're also hitting our two-year anniversary next month so wow two years of crowdfunding seo wizard rick horrible's voice that you've had to listen to all two years long and that, that janky intro that we need to change <laughs> i know we've always it's yeah, classic now now it. it's like now it's like it's like standard you can't get rid of it it's like the american yeah. rock See, I, I actually just paid for a voiceover from the guy that did uh, Wrath of the Lich King trailer. I will seriously have him do our voiceover have to, in yeah. the scariest, creepy voice. It would be so fun. Or just um, as, as if we're his son and he's a king telling, introducing people to <laughs> the podcast. Seriously. That'd be cool. Uther and Arthas. Yes. Yeah. So let's get into our, our, our news segment because we do have some big news. And now it's time for... Nerd news. I got some some nice light news real quick. It looks like people are marketing a lot of IPs these days. Uh, the Last of Us board game, yay! Funded in less than twenty four hours. Whoopee! <laughs> We're gonna have a board game for every single movie and show coming up this next year. I think their pledge goal was one hundred thirty six thousand. Right now, a couple days in, they're at four hundred seventy five thousand with four thousand nine hundred fifty three backers oh you know what else is coming the kickstarter for board game heroes of might and magic three yes Uh, woo we're just moving on here (laughs) pretty exciting pretty exciting an interesting update with kickstarter they now have included upcoming projects within search you might get some more traffic that way if people are you know searching your project they can yeah that'll definitely help with a wider window for you so if you can get, you know, get your product in there early, then you'll have a, you know, people already looking for you and hopefully uh, subscribe to your Kickstarter feed. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Kickstarter news, the biggest news that has come out, you know, they did this update about new tools to help creators market their projects. And among other things, they talked about the search function for pre-launch pages. But the thing that makes me most excited is the meta Facebook pixel integration is is done. It's now a thing. I think that is huge 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 i am so excited about that it's been a crazy week because obviously with this new change in kickstarter i've had to sort of all, all our clients troubleshoot this and test it and get new pixels set up and get this on so we've had we've had a range of clients from clients who are in their pre uh, marketing phase and they've got the notify me on launch page now K- kickstarter is not registering that button press which is unfortunate i suppose 
Facebook only allows you to prioritize eight events and they probably have prioritized the ones to do with backers. But it would be nice if they did have that. They do capture page views. So what you can do is you can run campaigns to direct people there and then exclude people who've actually been on that page. So it's a little bit helpful, not too helpful. You probably could have done that in Facebook natively just with types of retargeting exclusions through ad engagement. But that certainly helps. Where this really has impact is when the campaign is live because it tracks the um, initiate checkout, which is the pledge selection, the payment info when that's submitted. And then it also then tracks the purchase event once a pledge is made. Now it doesn't capture the value of the pledge, which again is a little bit unfortunate, but you still get that registered purchase event, which is great, which means you can create lookalike audiences of people who are like people who've backed. You can exclude people who've backed. And because you can, because it registers people who've essentially add to cart or selected a pledge, you can exclude everyone who has backed the game whilst retargeting everyone who has, you know, added, added to cart essentially. Seen the page or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a great way to kind of catch people who, you know, maybe started the process and then, you know, got distracted or for whatever reason might have had a power objection. So it's a great way to have that very nuanced messaging to those people. So that's going to be a huge advantage. What I want to know is how is this going to impact Kickstarter's competitors? GameFound and our backer kit don't seem as attractive because now Kickstarter has pixel integration, which was a huge selling point for GameFound and for backer kit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's definitely necessary for Kickstarter to do this because their competitors both do backer kit being a crowdfunding platform now and uh, GameFound being a crowdfunding platform now. I still think that GameFound is by far the best tech, but Kickstarter is just the 800-pound gorilla. So if they can get 75 or 80% of the way there, they're, I, I think that they're going to remain the biggest dog for a long time. It's gonna what I think GameFound needs to do, it needs to almost be a replacement to Facebook where it starts developing board game communities on GameFound so that it's a, it's a closed ecosystem. So they don't have to pay money to get people from Facebook to GameFound. People are going to GameFound to talk about board games, to talk about role-playing games. And there's mm -hmm. there's board game groups that are you know managed by the community. That's a scary good idea, Sean. I am a little worried. If they actually do that, then it might mean that the majority of our customers are on GameFound all of a sudden, or the, you know, the majority of the, the backers are on GameFound on a regular basis. Yeah. And I actually think that makes them the biggest competitor for BoardGameGeek. Um, yes, you know, as well, I think, I think they would probably take a, a sizable amount of, uh, interest from board game geek and also Facebook. So that's what I suggest. If someone from GameFound is listening to this, or, you know, someone who's uh, connected to GameFound, that's my suggestion. Feel free to run with it. If it works, then you can credit me. If it doesn't work, then <laughs> don't credit well, me. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, wouldn't, wouldn't it be interesting if, if, if GameFound and uh, board game geek merged, <laughs> You know, it's, that'd be it's a crazy thing. Interesting idea. But geek found. Yeah, Kick geek found. Geek found. Oh there you go. Kickstarter is still the big gorilla or the big elephant, and it carries the weight. I mean, we've already, we've seen countless times number of Kickstarter companies who've done multiple campaigns on Kickstarter move to GameFound, and their numbers aren't even close to what they did on previous games. At least that's what I've seen. Um, well, Andrew, yeah. maybe you can share. With us, I know you've had a couple more people enter your survey. I think you're around over 500 people now. So what's yeah. the percentage of people who found deliverance through Kickstarter out of that survey? Let me, check, 
By the way, I just want to give a shout out to Scott Pease of Snapshot Tactics because, uh, he, as you rightly pointed out, we, we were consulting with him and we were helping him craft his survey, and we did pretty much copy the majority of his questions and tweak them. But we did get different sources, and, and we asked different people, and we used different um, references to craft our one. But yes, yeah. uh, his survey was was certainly um, a bulk of it. So I just want to give him a shout out. It's a project you definitely check out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, for his yeah. uh, snapshot tactics. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he is an extremely smart human. And so I'm just thankful to have someone like him around that I can, well, copy, can copy off of. <laughs> <laughs> copy you from know, the best. But... You were the best. <laughs> yeah. I think all the best so, ideas are stolen, as they say. Absolutely. All right. So let's look. We asked a question in, in our uh, feedback survey that asked, how did you first hear about the Deliverance Kickstarter campaign? We went over this last in last week's podcast in detail, um, but as I'm looking at it now, we've got 509 responses. 22.8% of those people found me through browsing Kickstarter. So in other news, Mark Zuckerberg announces Meta will lay off 11,000 employees. Now, that's a lot of people. What he should have said is Mark Zuckerberg gives 11,000 employees to Twitter. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, though, okay, I thought, because I read his letter, I thought that his compensation was very good, very reasonable. In fact, I thought it was very generous. There was, okay, the news, of course, clams it up. I was watching the local news, and they were showing some some young woman, like, crying, tears streaming down her face, and saying that she was eight months pregnant, and now she's got to try to find health insurance, and now it's the end of the world. Well, if she actually was smart enough to read her email she got from her work, it says that healthcare is covered for an extra six months. So when she has her baby, she's still covered. But I, apparently, she didn't get that far in reading the uh, your fired email. But um, <laughs> More details. Six, 16, 16 weeks of base pay plus two extra weeks for every year worked there. So if they hi- they fired someone big, they're going to be like good for like a year at least. And then healthcare for six months, and then a couple couple other things. In fact, he's also helping. He's got some workers that they laid off that are on visas. And they have a team that's going to help them try to get their U.S. Uh, citizenship, so that way they can stay. So I thought that was pretty pretty good. However, I think all the money got wasted on the on the metaverse, and that's why he had to lay all these people off. Yeah, well, I I read an article that said one of their biggest investors, I think he has like a hundred million dollars in stock, was giving out saying if you don't do something about your involvement with with the metaverse, he's going to pull his stock. So I think they made some pretty, some pretty quick changes after that. Also, their their stock has plummeted. But in that firing email or laid off email, or whatever you want to call it, the I'm dearly departed email, he mentions that he's still going to be doing the the long. He's, I think he said like the long term haul on metaverse. Like he's got the long term plan that he still wants to do. So yeah, it ain't going away. Yeah, guys, I'm, I'm certain the metaverse is just going to get huge one day. There's only one thing I, right now that I like about the metaverse. And I don't know if it's like fully ready, but like you can sit in front of your computer and put the headset on and then you can have multiple extra screens. Like it's pretty cool that way. Like you don't have to buy video screens. You just use your headset and you have virtual screens that no one else can see that's connected to the computer. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. I'm just waiting for when Elon Musk is like, hey, let's just put the chip into people's brains and have metaverse as like the default operating system. Um, and then we'll fly them to Mars and they'll think they're still on Earth. <laughs> That's right. And then we'll use their bodies for energy. Yeah. So let's get into our topic at hand, which is more of a theme. And the theme is reflecting back. So, you know, we have 100 episodes put into uh, the Crowdfunding Nerds podcast. We have 
at this point, over two years of work done on crowdfunding projects. And there are a lot of things that we've thought that we've not yet shared. So let's share them all on this podcast. Come on, what market is? The five yeah. most mind-blowing things Mark- from crowdfunding nerds. There we go. Yeah, the five marketing tips doctors hate. That brought us uh, to the next level. <laughs> that can transform your life. <laughs> yes, yeah, something like that. So definitely hold on to your hold on to your chair, and let's get into it. Uh, Sean, you want to start? You want to start? Sure. So yeah, I've I've got two lists. I've got one that is things which were the most game changing or like Eureka. It's like oh wow, we just learned a thing. Great. Let's implement that when we saw changes and they sort of like brought us to the next level, just as a as an agency, and then also for you listeners, things that you might not be aware of that we actually uncovered in this podcast because if you listen to some of the older episodes some of the things we say we wouldn't really recommend anymore so uh, i'm going to sort of cover some of that my next list is kind of more things which are oh those were cool moments or those were kind of like highlights over the past two years so mm-hmm. one of the first things of the kind of eureka moments was understanding this was through a marketing fractured veil which is an mmorpg that ran a successful kickstarter campaign And one thing we did is we did extensive testing on landing pages and we were able to work out that if we married the imagery of an ad with the splash screen of the landing page, the conversion rates were better. And this was, this was demonstrably demonstrated through a lot of ads, a lot of, we had multiple uh, landing pages going at the same time. And that was very interesting. So we had like, like a zombie on one. When you click on the zombie ad, you go to a zombie landing page. And we had better conversion rates when, than if we had like a windmill and the windmill took you to the zombie page. And then when we had a windmill, they went to a windmill landing page, we saw better conversion rates. So that sort of solidified in my mind that there needs to be a, a marriage between the, the imagery and the ad and the landing page it needs to sort of be a cohesive experience for people. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, it, it's definitely, I would say you might think it's common sense, coming if you're a marketer coming from another world that you want people to if they see your logo first thing they should look or they should see on your website is the logo to make sure the, the so the customer knows they're at the right page and so on you know with a facebook ad it, it's definitely it definitely has influenced our process whereas now you know instead of trying 100 million images we know that hey the safety is to use the image that's on the the landing page above the fold in the ad and if the above the fold landing you know on the landing page looks wonderful then the ad is at least going to convert decently well it's kind of oftentimes how we start ads was pretty cool kind of figuring that out well it was nice because we actually had data that supported it it wasn't just kind of like a hunch it was like we did an extensive test and we were actually able to work that out which was nice yeah and i don't know if it's on your list but something related to that is for me at least before the whole Kickstarter meta Facebook pixel integration, sending traffic to the landing page. Oh, that's my next thing. The Kickstarter is live, right? That's a huge one. All right, go ahead, go ahead. I'll pretend yeah, so, that you invented so, it. <laughs> so the next thing is that, you no, know, we obviously develop landing pages for our clients and the advantage is that we have a pixel. Now that's all well and good pre-marketing. We use that to capture emails. We have lots of pixel data. But what we realized is that when the campaign's live, instead of just letting the, the landing page sit there and directing people to Kickstarter, we started directing people to the landing page still, 
but we updated the landing page to not capture an email, but to rather send people directly to the Kickstarter page. This has several advantages. It has an advantage that allows us to continue to run to continue to run our pre-marketing ads, especially if we set them up in such a way that doesn't use you know certain language like coming soon to Kickstarter or something like that, which means we kept all the social proof on the ads, which were running for about two months, that were fully optimized, that were out of the learning phase, had all these data points within Facebook. But then it also allowed us to have nuanced targeting because we were then able to exclude everyone who's been to the landing page and essentially prospect and find new people who've never seen our ads before to get new people into the system. And it also means we could retarget. We could retarget everyone who's been to the landing page so we can let them know that, hey, the campaign's now live on Kickstarter. So that was a game changer when we started implementing that, which I think we still will implement. I still think there's value in doing that because some people want to know more information before going to a Kickstarter page. So even though we still have the pixel on Kickstarter or even on GameFound projects that we've run, we've still opted into doing this process because there's advantage and doing that simply just because of letting the Facebook ads run. People might not know, but if you make a change to a Facebook ad, it wipes all the data points and all the social proof on those ads. So you can lose quite a lot of money if you change an ad or change things up. So it's just a way to optimize ad spend for our clients. Yeah, and, and maybe kind of related to that, I find that sending traffic to a landing page, this is something that has absolutely been solidified over the years uh, running you know, lessons learned, definitely in my top five. Sending uh, traffic to a landing page, that traffic, you know, what I mean by that is sending traffic to a landing page that you built, not Kickstarter, um, while your Kickstarter is live versus sending traffic directly to your Kickstarter page. The landing page performs better because people are gathering information. They're interested in gathering information. They're not yet interested in buying. You need to convince them that your game is worth buying. And so oftentimes they need information first. Well, Kickstarter, just being on that website, feels like it's a a selling proposition like they're trying to sell you on their on their project whereas the land you know because it has the purchase right there the purchase event that you take is, is right there in front of you you which pledge level do you want versus the landing page it's just giving you information it's very harmless it's innocuous it doesn't feel like you're getting sold to so much but you're able to read about the project without feeling like you're being sold to and i think that that is i mean it's proven time and time again that people in traditional forms of marketing, more traditional forms of marketing, um, you know, feel that way where they need to collect information and not feel pressured. And I think that a landing page really takes away that, that pressure, that selling pressure that kicks, that just is kind of comes naturally with Kickstarter. Yeah. The next thing is backer kit referral codes, which was something we've only recently come to appreciate or be aware of. I've noticed that Sometimes the Facebook pixel does not play well with backer kit late pledge things. So it can be quite challenging to work out a true return on ad spend because I find that sometimes it, it actually the Facebook pixel over triggers. I think one of the reasons is that it, for, for how, however backer kit set up this, it registers the add to cart as a purchase event and the purchase. So you kind of have this doubling up of, of purchase events. So it over reports and it can be a, a bit challenging to work out what the true return on ad spend is. But using referral codes, which we discussed previously on the podcast, we'll clearly link on the show notes on how to do that. You have a better sense of backers actually coming in through your ads. And that can be quite helpful, especially if you've got the email notifications, which I do for our clients that we're running their pages. So I have an idea when 
sales will be made on their page. And I can then look at the referral codes and then again, compare it with Facebook, but see, see so was a purchase event triggered and rather than trying to work out the, the actual money generated from that, I, I look, I use the referral code now to actually see how much money was generated through that ad. Mm-hmm. And you know, one, one thing related to back or, or rather post campaign pledge managers, that was a big learning experience for me, definitely more than common sense. So I did my own project just over a year ago and, you know, called Deliverance, and we made $314,000 on Kickstarter. Then we go to Backerkit, we raise another $178,000. In pre-sales, we make an additional 400 sales or so and you know, of, of the game. And then people, about 25% of the original group, upgrade their pledge with add-ons. And then we have all the shipping that we charge. So I actually ran ads to that page for something like nine months or so because you know we would make sales right and it would record the sale you know you know on on backer kit but the credit card wasn't yet charged and what i found was when i finally got to the point where i was ready to charge the credit cards we had you know all the credit cards had to be charged 100 and like i said one hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars worth and we actually had about fifteen thousand dollars of that money that was like that did not get charged at first on on that first charge it was declined for for one reason or another maybe a credit card number changed maybe the bank didn't recognize where it was coming from and and that's it was one of those things that i didn't realize so i was thinking about oh hey our marketing dollars are very well spent it's like a 10 to 1 return on ad spend for us and it ended up being like an eight and a half to one because of that and i was I just didn't realize at first that, oh yeah, these, these credit card uh, transactions are not yet recording. So I should kind of plan for that. And now actually we are only down to 71 cards that have declined, which I believe, it, you know, account for, you know, it, oh, I'm looking right now, $8,000 in errored uh, funds. We've actually managed to charge just about $170,000. In fact, as soon as I hit the charge cards button, I'm able to, I, I'll break 170,000, which I'm doing right now. So I, I thought that was really interesting and definitely something that I'll factor in a little bit next time. The margin for error on those cards was not something that I... And not only cards not being processed correctly, people can people can cancel their pledges, right? So that's another thing you have to account for. It's like, oh yeah, we got a great return on ads, but on these late pledge ads, but then, you know, down the road, someone could say, actually, I'm going to cancel my pledge. Something came up. So it's something to be aware of as well with your late pledge ads. You know, I find actually most often the people that cancel pledges are the people that backed during Kickstarter. It's not super common. I had 2,700 backers and a lot of them would, you know, also fill out their pledge manager for a full um, a pledge. You know, they, they would upgrade from the dollar pledge to the full pledge or whatever. And uh, most of the time it was some sort of traumatic medical event or Hey, my car just exploded, and now I'm looking to reclaim as much money as I can from my from my crowdfunding investments and that sort of thing. And I would say that that would be probably like one percent of those people that backed or less would have would have um, done that. I think I've probably fielded like you know out of twenty eight hundred backers or twenty seven hundred and seventeen backers, I probably fielded maybe fifteen to twenty of. Uh, you know, cancellation or downgrade or change requests in, you know, that 
so that they could get their money back. And, you know, for me personally, if somebody has a really gnarly situation going on, I just have like a no questions asked policy of like, hey, if you need a refund, I usually ask, hey, what's uh, just just wondering like why you're looking to get refunded if there's something I can help with. And in some cases I can. And in other cases, it's like, hey, no, I just really need to, you know, get as much money back because of my this traumatic medical event or whatever. But and and people are always very open and, and willing to share. And in some cases, very rarely, but you know, I would say probably two, three of those backers were like, I just don't like this game. I don't want this game anymore. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, the new flavor of the month hit Kickstarter and you wanted that more, and that's okay. I don't hold it. Put your I, name on a list. Yeah. <laughs> in red, like a Taylor Swift song. The Barney and Friend the Barney and Friends board game came out. I had to get that. Yes. <laughs> So the next so, thing on the list was my, my last thing on, on this kind of like game changer list is surveying your audiences. So this is something yeah. that we did last episode, but I think it's pretty significant. I think we got some very valuable data and now we have a podcast I can direct our clients to and be like, Hey, check this out. This is something you, you should do after your campaign. And this is the reason you should do it. So I think that's going to really help our clients. I'm really excited at the things that we were able to learn. And it's just been a, a super cool thing to discover and see that the actual results that that can generate for people and how it can be used to segment emails and address certain buyer objections. So it's, it's super cool. I have uh, something that I love that was a game changer for me. I'm going to label it redundancy. This was back when it was just me and I was doing this work uh, by myself I marketed a project called Legions of Steel and uh, by Marco Picota, who might listen to this podcast, really fun miniatures war game. He actually just kind of hit it uh, big with um, Escape from Stalingrad Z, which is a great miniature war game that we that we also helped. But Legions of Steel nearly <laughs> took my my shirt from my back at one point where I was uh, my account was speaking positively about legions of steel and Facebook's algorithm mistook legions of steel for the cyber terrorist group called Legion, the cyber terrorist hacker group called Legion and banned me from Facebook, banned, blocked my account, blocked my access to all of our clients. And we were marketing a project by Starlux games. That was kind of like a, it was called protectors of the rainbow. It's a really fun kid game. That actually my kids still play to this day. They like, we were locked out of our account and in a, that we were locked out for about 48 hours. I was able to figure out a way to get the, the account back. And the only way to do it at the time, I had to apologize for speaking in a positive manner about an organized crime syndicate. It's like, I did not do that, but Facebook doesn't care. They just need me to like, you know, Confess magic word. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I just, I felt like somebody who had to, like an innocent person who had to confess to a crime, you know, <laughs> to save their family or something. I don't know. It was the but, dumbest But thing. even crazier than that is while your accounts were closed, suspended, whatever, your account, they were still running charges like normal. Um, you couldn't stop yeah. billing. You couldn't change billing. You couldn't do anything. So if you had, a, like, if you were testing a campaign, and you know it was running and it wasn't doing well it'd still be running because you couldn't mm -hmm. get back in there and turn it off right and i wouldn't be able to even look and see if it was doing well or not you know and so that's where redundancy comes in first thing i did was i reactivated my wife's account 
um, who she doesn't use Facebook because Facebook sucks. And I immediately made her an admin of our ad account so that she can access every single one of our accounts. And I use her account if I ever, which it's actually, I've never actually been banned since, since this time, but uh, for or restricted or whatever, but man, was that a really scary moment. It was one of the scariest moments that I've personally had because I didn't know what to do. And, and no one I, else does on the internet either. And I got banned because they just don't like me. I mean, I didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, I, so well, you're, I, you're, you're Google's bad book. So they probably have this I, shared black, blacklist. So. The, the bad boys of Google or of Facebook. Uh, this was on Facebook. I also got banned from Facebook, one of my accounts, because I created an account for work to do Facebook ads. I didn't want to use my personal account because you don't miss, you know, you don't mix those things up unless you're weird like Andrew, but he owns his business. <laughs> so that's him. So I went through all the hoops. I created the account. I verified with my phone number. And then, of course, everything was good. And then it's like, oh, well, now we need your ID. So I took a picture of an ID. Then it asked me for a selfie. Then I also confirmed my address. I did everything it asked me to do. And after I activated that, it banned me. <laughs> yeah, there's just yep. no way to get around. And the no the reasoning, the the uh, term was, or I, I can't remember the exact words, but I was not, the the, the, the what they said was they, I was banned because I was not behaving like a typical Facebook community member. Yeah. And uh, cause apparently you don't sign up to Facebook to do ads. I mean, I guess you sign up for playing games or something and there was no way for me Facebook to stalking even, your frenemies. Yeah. And there was no way for me to even uh, dispute it. Cause it said that there is no way. One thing I have noticed is that the Facebook reps have become a lot more helpful now that Facebook is sort of in hot water. they like employees are going, and their stock is plummeting. So that's a positive. I think it's maybe been a kick up the, the backside for, for Facebook, but they're I think they're taking their customers' interest a little bit more seriously now because, well, you know, I think people have demonstrated that, you know, they, they can easily just go to something else or just give up. So I think they're hopefully are starting to value their paid customers a little bit more. I think that the the depth of redundancy that we need is just you know, it's just silly to just make sure that we can continue to pay Facebook for, for stuff. Like Facebook does not have a customer service rep that, uh, for, for us, they're exclusively like one project, you know, and trying to get that one project to spend more money. They don't know how to work with a company like ours. That's not paying Facebook, you know, $10 million a month or, you know, $500 a month. They don't have, uh, helpers designed to help agencies with, you know, a hundred clients at, at a time or something It uh, you know, each paying 500. Well, if you got this far, then you have reached our bonus section of this episode. At this point, we sort of tangent a lot. And a lot of this would probably be cut originally from the, an episode that we would usually do, but we wanted to give you a behind the scenes look at some of the content that we sort of uncover on our regular episodes that usually gets cut because it's not relevant. So you could probably stop listening here if you're only interested in learning about crowdfunding. But if you want to get a behind the scenes look a little bit more into some backstory into our business, then, you know, continue listening. You're welcome to. So, yes, here's our special bonus segment of our 100th episode. Thank you for listening so far. And I hope you find what you listen to enjoyable. But and, you know, one of, one of my favorite things with Sean is being able to talk about WoW as like a pro. 
Like Rick and I can talk about wow, but Rick's new. I, I, I just dilly dally. Is... I dilly dally and wow. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Was so, actually funny because I remember after that 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 uh, talk we had, I my wife was like, "How did it go?" I was like, "Yeah, it was really cool." He was like me, but like more successful in every way. <laughs> like he achieved more in World of Warcraft. He was like a, at a like I was doing digital marketing, but like he had he had his own agency. So I was like, it was really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, yeah, funny. it's funny because you the only reason you weren't as successful as I was in World of Warcraft was because you played a hunter and they weren't good for the first like eight I years. I love ever. hunters. Yeah. Hunters are great. They're yeah, fun. They, you, were probably, they, you were probably a mage, weren't you? Me? I was a rogue, which was probably the scummiest class that you could be. And rogue was consistently good throughout expansions. It was pretty steady. Hunter because was the best in all PvP, though. Hunter couldn't oh, be yeah. defeated all PvP. So I had lots of fun ganking people. But yeah, Arena was tough. Arena, I, I had to had to do fives to get my my good gear Hunt- because twos was like trying to hit your face against the wall. <laughs> Hunters were great because it's like having two characters at once. Like, you know, you send out your, your like, I usually have like a bear or something as my tank. You know, I send yeah. them out to tank the enemy and I'm just doing some DPS in the back with my little bow. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, the man, I'll tell level. you what. The most annoying thing in the in the entire. Oh, by the way, actually, my first World of Warcraft character was a hunter, huh. and I, I had a dwarf hunter. And I had one had of those two as my first ones. Yeah, it was awesome, right? You wanted to. I mean, the World of Warcraft. Uh, in the snow. The cinematic yeah, just yeah. made you want to play dwarf that hunter. character, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I started a dwarf hunter. I had my friends were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to make our horde characters on this server, but you know later on we're going to make our alliance characters on that server." So I'm like, okay, I wanted to be a dwarf hunter. And of course, my friends never came over to that server. And um, it was like, you know, uh, I really, so I made it to the Red Ridge Mountains and I saw these little dragon whelps. Like, dude, that would be so cool to have a dragon whelp as a pet. So I let my pet go. Like, I'm level 14 hunter. I dismiss my pet, like, get rid of it. Like, see a bear, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I never want to see you again. And then I try to like capture one of these little dragon whelplings and they throw giant fireballs at you. And I was dying in like two hits and I had no idea why, what I was doing, but I remember I would just, I would try to like get the maximum distance I possibly could from one of these dragon whelps, which is like a red question mark level or whatever. And I, I remember like, as soon as you would start to try to tame them, they would, they would like start attacking you. And I remember on my fourth try, I got, I, I was successful in completing the taming and it, but it, it failed failed because you, you can't yep. tame a dragon. And <laughs> I, dude, I was just getting destroyed uh, without like, I had gear that was like plus one int on it and just like had no purpose. Like I had blues and I had no blues. I had like a few green items and they were all garbage. And I ended up trying to run back to, uh, to get a bear, but I was so far away from the area that I could get a bear, I finally got a boar, you know, and (laughs) I thought this is really stupid. I hate this boar. It's low level. I'm just getting destroyed. I quit my hunter and re-rolled on an entirely different server. And I rolled a rogue. I'm like, hunters are awful. (laughs) I think I, I I usually went from bear. I can't remember. I think it's a raptor. It's the the dinosaur one. The dinosaur one as you go. And that's usually the one I got next. Um, if you level those things up, they got really good. Um, but you yeah. level them up. 
you know, I, I remember in arena, I would always, so as a rogue, I would try to stay stealth. And the most annoying thing known to mankind was a hunter's pet that would find you and just be attacking you. And like, if the hunter found you, the pet would just run around the, the, the pillar or the corner and just keep attacking you. So you yeah, could never what, go what happens If a rogue stealth, whilst you had, if you had already sent your, your pet to attack a rogue and they'd stealth in that period, it would still find them and, and, and get them. <laughs> So to come yeah. like like beam them. Nothing was. I think one of the funnest thing to do as a hunter is be like across the battlefield, and just hunters mark a rogue <laughs> before they oh. stealth. That's <laughs> that, that was great. You get them to blow cloak of shadows, or you have to blow some type of vital cooldown to uh, to get rid of that. So yeah. you 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 ran a a hunter rick. Yes, I did. It's still one of my favorite classes, even though everyone says it sucks. But uh... <laughs> I love the idea of the class. I love, but it needs to be like a bow user, not a gun user. It just, bows are cool and guns. Yeah, yeah. I, I never use guns because the noise is super annoying. It's like, yeah, I hate oh my goodness, it's so annoying. <laughs> I actually yeah. created a character because of that. I, I did like, a, I think it was an elven, elvish uh, character um, because of that, because you get bows instead of guns. Guns were stupid. Oh, and then of course, in old school World of Warcraft, the other pain in the butt is you had all these extra costs because you had to buy ammo mm-hmm. and then you'd run out. And then you'd have to buy not, more. Not only ammo, just, you, had, you had to have a quiver, which means you had one less bag slot than everyone else. Bag. It was so yes, annoying. Yes, like, yes. I can't carry as much as everyone else because I have, to have a stupid quiver and I run out of arrows all the time. Oh, that's, that's right. So I forgot annoying. about that. Yeah. And that's the that's annoying thing about World of Warcraft. There was like a, lots of annoying things which didn't add to the experience or immersion of the game. There was just annoying things that you had, had to do. Even like leveling pets. Like you had to, like, if you tamed a new pet, you had to level it up. You had to go kill, you know, grind and kill mobs. So yeah, pets were made of fun. Up. I mean, look at current Warcraft versus classic Warcraft. I mean, current Warcraft, you don't even go through the story anymore. It's literally, it's like, yeah, like they give you so much bonus on XP for like, oh, I picked a flower. Look, I'm level 10 now. You know, <laughs> it's gone from like, you know, you see you skip all these areas in the game now because you've, you're a way too high level and you're missing out on a lot of story. Also, the stupid map. Oh my goodness. I actually enjoyed, I played it. I played it real chill. I, you know, usually after work, I'd sit there and jump on World of Warcraft and I created, I just, you know, made it a chill thing. I didn't like stress out over it. And I enjoyed exploring and trying to find where you're supposed to go. Like, yep. you know, in the classic game, you didn't know where you're going. It says, go find, go find so-and-so. And they wouldn't like, there's no arrow or star or whatever popping up saying where he's at. You had to go find him. And that's yep. what made it fun. And sometimes they were yep. hiding in these weird, obscure corners. And that's what made it fun because I'm like, I looked everywhere. Where's it at? Oh, wait. What? Oh, there he is. You know, so I think. Yeah, it made it more immersive. Well, now it's like, go here. Like, it's just like a little thing on the map, isn't it? It's like, yeah, go here, do this, do that. It's kind of just like you're running yeah. errands. The only one thing I did like, um, because I played a lot of solo because I'm just a loser, um, is that um, they made a better dungeon matching system where you can like team up with a click of a button as opposed to looking for people. Um, that was that pretty made a cool. difference. It was pretty awful finding. Mm-hmm. You know, groups for for places like older man. I remember like level thirty to forty or something, trying to find a tank or whatever for that. It's just was the worst. What it was a uh, Black Rock was that was the five man in Black Rock Mountain. What yeah, Black Rock Depths, I think, Black and Rock Black Depths? Rock Spire. Yeah, that those were the worst because they were super long and there's loads of bosses. And so trying to find groups for that he was would halfway through, and you would be. And always that paladin who's just like run into the whelps, yeah. <laughs> wipe the group, Man. shouting Leroy. It's like yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the topics I wish we could talk more about is World of Warcraft on this podcast, but 
probably no one cares except for us. Yeah. So. But um, I think we should duel sometime. There's a private server where you can log in and get all your gear. The cra- crowdfunding nerd server? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if my, my finger is like... I haven't played video games in a while. Like I, I oh, you'll be terrible because I haven't played dude. in a while as well. And like I'm so bad. Like your your mind knows what to do, but your your fingers can't keep up. So it's like no, you feel you feel like you're disabled or something. Well, Crazy. if you if you if you ever are interested in something a little less uh uh like like you know requires a uh, what do you call it acuity and stamina. Um, I've forever this game has been out and I've played it. You know for for I mean decades. It's called Dofus. And it is originated from France. And uh, if, so English is a second language word. So sometimes it's funny. The translations are a little funny. <laughs> but it is like, it's it's strategy. When, like when you battle, it's more like a chess chess battle. But that game's been around forever. And I've loved it. And it's just been like, like they keep redoing it and re-updating it. And it's still around. Like after, in fact, I think it's older. I, I want to say it's older than Warcraft. And it's been. Uh, oh, yeah. Text-based. I thought it was like a text-based RPG, sort of like a sci-fi text-based RPG. Isn't that right? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a, it's a MMORPG. It's just, it's two D as opposed to it's, it's third person looking as opposed to first person looking. That's awesome. um, the release date for Dofus was September first, two thousand four. Okay, I think WoW oh, was like November two thousand one, two thousand four. Yeah, so it is older than WoW. Yep, by like two months. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, we've been through a hundred episodes now. What's been your favorite moment on the podcast? I've got five. <laughs> the, time, the time Andrew wasn't on it or the times he, he ran away. <laughs> time I got stuck in the closet. All right, Sean, what are yours? I think one of my, one of my favorite moments was interviewing Chris Birch of Modifius. And that's really just because we have such a, I suppose, close relationship. You know, I meet with him every week and looking at their ads a lot and, and there's so it was nice to sort of just jump on a call and be in a different setting and to learn more about the company, the history of the company and how they got to where they are. So uh, that was, that was nice. It was nice to sort of just see a different side of one of our clients that you can't really get, you don't really have the opportunity when you're just doing the day to day stuff because you got things to do. So it was nice to have that kind of, I suppose, less formal chat and discussion with someone that I meet quite often not so much anymore but at that time i you know weekly was meeting so yeah now um, he's hired someone to take he's hired people yeah so so that that was a that was i I enjoyed that episode oh yeah i I really like just getting to deal in board games and and the games industry one of my favorite things to do is just talk to the the owners of the companies that we work for because they're such normal people nerds like me that you know, and you know, guys no, like no one's like you, Andrew. <laughs> I I can uh, yeah. So I I I'm a tryhard, but there are others that are tryhards that we get to work for, and they're such normal people. It's so fun just to like hang out. Yeah, um, our I think our interviews have, have been one of our our top ones, especially when when they talk about things that we don't normally you know talk about or things we don't see, especially like things like when we uncover like hidden costs. Or issues along the way, like <laughs> trolls or, or um, you know, things like that, or like the you know, I know one episode, you know, you talked about your, your the mid the mid Kickstarter slump, and yeah. I thought that was really cool because a lot of people don't talk about that either. They just talk about the beginning and the ending and nothing in the middle. Well, one thing I I, I was so another 
moment that I that sort of stands out or that was enjoyable. I think there was one episode where instead of having the intro, we beatboxed the intro <laughs> or we kind of like had like a lyrical composition of the intro. So that was fun. So that's one thing that stands out to me. People complained about our music. So we fixed this up for you guys. Enjoy. Ready? Rick. Three, two, one. Crowdfunding nerds. I had a lot of fun. When Rick started singing and like doing jingles, that was that just made my day. We're jumping over the fiscal cliff. Uncle Sam, bend over and give us a whiff. The boys up in Washington don't give a sniff. Cause we're jumping over, we're really jumping over, we're really jumping over the fiscal cliff. Oh, remember so the time I, he was talking about trolling and he started I, eating? Oh, the chips, the chips. <laughs> that was on my list. That was my top, like my number one oh, moment of the Sorry, podcast. I spoiled it. As a, as a person, I, I want to respond in one way, but as a company, representing a company and the game itself, I know that if I respond to the troll himself that I will lose the, so really it's not about responding to the troll. It's all about talking to the other people that are, that are watching the conversation. So they're, they're not necessarily going to talk or let you know that they're there, but they are going to judge you based off of how you handle this troll and what, what you say to them. So I keep all of my conversation in mind with um you know with that in mind um there's a <laughs> the cheeps nacho where are the cheese are you like wrapping a present are you eating chocolate <laughs> or it's like chips or something <laughs> <laughs> it's really distracting <laughs> oh is that me that's hilarious yeah i think you got do i have the wrong that was so on? funny <laughs> i have <laughs> <laughs> i have <laughs> I was hungry and I had it on mute. It's it's on mute on my mic. That was so funny. That was so fun. That was fun because I thought my microphone was off and apparently my webcam had its own microphone and that was on. And so my main mic was off, but it was still going through. And so I'm just sitting there like, I'm so hungry. And, you know, because usually when we record these, it's lunchtime effect. It's lunchtime right now Mm -hmm. for me. And uh, so I just started, you know, having fun, some chips and a drink and... You guys just start laughing. I'm just like, what? But it was funny because we were talking about feeding trolls, and yeah, it was during it was trolling. Like, yeah, that was so good. It so it was this perfect all, timing. Yeah, it was everything was just set up so perfectly. It was definitely, I think, one of my favorite moments. Another one that uh, you know we've talked about before was how Bree, my my uh, middle daughter, came to me and just in the middle of podcast. I, I always tell my kids, like, don't come into the office when we're podcasting and or when I'm in a meeting or, you know, that kind of thing. But if they if they come in, I really try not to I try not to, like, yell at them or or to make them feel bad. And I just try to kindly scoot them out of the room, you know, quietly or mute or whatever. And I was in the middle of saying something, so I didn't mute. And. I saw Brie in the, in the camera. We always have our camera on to like see visual cues from each other, you know, as we're talking, but we, uh, but Brie came right in and then she just, her only purpose was to come in and tell me how much she loved me. And she said, I love you, daddy, right into the microphone. Yeah. So cute. Stopped and said, Oh, that was, I don't have anyone to say that to me. (laughs) 
I'm all not alone yet. over here. Not yet. Your dad, your dad's, your dad's come in a couple of times, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's actually. That's that was. I, I and I tell him. I say, you know, the door's closed. You know, usually it's I'm talking or whatever. Oh, okay. And then of course, you know, I can't remember what it was, but he just comes in and like, he's like, I'm home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> now we would be remiss if we didn't mention that one special listener, the one special listener who loves listening to Rick's voice and doesn't care about ours. Do you want to sing her a song? Oh yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, she just listens to the podcast for me. So if I was on a different podcast, you guys would lose a subscriber. I'm telling you. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and she's actually been getting involved too. Cause she actually has been making little comments here and there on our Facebook group and whatnot. That's kind of um, fun. She really adds too. <laughs> more than me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. She talks some, sometimes in some podcasts, she talks more than you do. So uh, big shout out. Cause I know she's going to hear this next week when we, when it goes live, big shout out to Julie, my love. Love you. Oh, special lady. I'll, I'll special put some lady. music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> hey baby. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Some Marvin Gaye in there. Another thing, another thing I have yeah. is when Richard, he was in the wilderness and he had to fight with some cougars. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, we got an audio recording of that battle. I was very, feeling very creative that day. Hey guys, it's SEO is just a second. Nice kitty. Stay right there, kitty. Nice. Stay. Good kitty. SEO is Rick here just to stay. I'm unable to make the podcast this week. Because I'm enjoying this beautiful mountain scenery. But it looks like I accidentally picked up some cat heat spray instead of repellent. Uh, I, I hope I make it. Uh, please tell my family to... <laughs> I asked Sean one day, you know, what do you, you know, he cuts so much from our podcast. Sometimes he cuts like usually most of our world of Warcraft talk. Then he cuts half of the topic because we just go over and we need to cut to time and that kind of thing. We try to keep our podcast like, and sometimes we just say inappropriate things. (laughs) Yeah. And other times we say really stupid (laughs) stuff. We don't want the world to hear. Um, And I asked Sean, what do you, what do you cut from me? And I was figuring, you know, uh, all the ums and ahs. But the first thing he said was, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I see. He, he even made little cuts. He even shared them with us. That's that's <laughs> the moment that I was thinking of. It's like the moment that Sean, like, cut together all of my that's awesomes and shared them. That's awesome. It was just a montage of that's awesome or awesome. Uh, I, did the, I did the ums for Richard. Mine is my, my, my laugh. I've always cut, cut my laugh. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like nails on a chalkboard so let's cut that out <laughs> i should make a montage of that too here are the ums from one episode um you know the the um you know um and um and uh so that yeah that's that um 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 you know um 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 but um um you know um 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 anyways. so then um apparently uh, uh you know uh uh 
Um, um, they're in, uh, um, uh, um, 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 <laughs> definitely cut that out. You know, I, I wanted to share one of my favorite memories of, of next level web. So we've got, we've got some people on our podcast or I'm sorry, people that work at our company that don't really get a lot of press time on the podcast, you know, and one who's never been on the podcast before is Alex. Alex is our web developer. He's um, worked for us for, gosh, it's been years three now, years. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he came to us and it, we were actually, originally we were kind of looking at hiring a, a web developer and we had, you know, candidates that were like, oh, do, do we need to train these people? Or maybe we need to, you know, pay more and have somebody that's more experienced. And Alex came in and he didn't really speak much English. He is Colombian and kind of immigrated here, you know, later in life. So he just, I don't know, something struck me with, with Alex and it just felt like he worked at a Colombian web development house and, you know, we were kind of going back and forth and Rick's like, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. And I thought, let's give him a chance. And Rick's like, well, that means that, okay, I guess you're hiring somebody that I now have to try to use a translator to understand, and, you know, and I told it was, Alex, it was really rough at first. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I know. What, I know. what do you say? What do you yeah. say? Just trying to, trying to work. I mean, I sort of felt bad. Like I mean, he actually, yeah, he was a web, web developer in Colombia and the company decided to expand and they wanted to have a U.S. presence. So he came to the U.S. because of that. And then they're like, oh, no, we're done. Mm-hmm. And then he had no job. So, yeah. yeah. And he left his son behind in Colombia and his son is, um, you know, about 12 years old and he was really kind of devastated. So he would, he, he lived in, you know, I would say like 45 minutes away from our office and this is before COVID. So we're all in the office and he drove to the office, never, never complained about that or anything, but he would just, he would always be on Skype with his son uh, during lunchtime. And they would be talking, whatever. And I remember just he would, he started to have like a really hard time and he would try to, you know, just keep it to himself. But I always try to get my team to tell me, Hey, what's going on? What's, what's going on in life? Because I think, you know, I don't, I don't want my team to feel like I'm the guy that needs them to work in their chair until they die. And then I'll just replace them with another (laughs) body that can do their same work. You know, I hate that idea. He is still waiting for me to die though. So he can replace me. (laughs) No, I just need you to stay in your chair and live. Uh, But, but yeah. So anyway, Alex was having a real hard time and I just brought him into my office. I was like, what's going on, Alex? You know, how's because you know, whatever's going on at home always affects your performance at work, you know, subconsciously or whatever. And so if I, if I can provide some kind of relief, you know, to make that easier than, you know, selfishly, the human would be more productive at work, uh, you know, in theory. And uh, he just told me, you know, I cry myself to sleep every night. My son is in Colombia and I'm here and I'm going to I'm going to leave for a month to to go to Colombia to try to get his visa and that kind of thing. And I was like, OK, you, you do it like you're able to work because we're an Internet based business. You're able to work from Colombia. It's just a three hour time difference. And one of my favorite things that I've ever been able to do is at the end of the month, it's COVID time. So they basically closed the embassy in, in Colombia. And so at the end of the month, he did not have the paperwork done. They kept rejecting the paperwork for 
erroneous reasons. And he was like, you know, boss, I need to come back. I need this job. I need to keep working. And I just said, man, you know, you're in Colombia. You're with your son. Are you happy? And he's like, yeah, I'm very happy. And I told him, you just stay there until you get that taken care of. And it just like made him so happy, you know, and I was, it was cool just to get to, to get to do that, you know, I guess That's just cool. as far as. And then he finally got him over here. He did. <laughs> he actually did. <laughs> and it worked. And so anyway, not, nice. you know, I'm sure he's happy. And now, and now he's stuck in San Diego again. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Now that gas <laughs> price is like higher than it is in um, I am legend, a post-apocalyptic oh, film. I'm, I, I can't afford California anymore. I can't afford yeah. I, I've told I've told Julie we need to move and she doesn't want to move. She wants to stay in San Diego and I'm like, um, yeah, we could buy a house like anywhere else in the country for like. A well, car she likes she likes when you drive. So stick her in the car. Say we're going to drive somewhere. She goes to sleep <laughs> and the next thing she knows, she's in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's she going to do? Walk back home. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I, I actually I I've always wanted to uh, go a little farther. Like. Um, you know, I always see these, Florida? these, uh, no, no farther. You know, like I see all these like video of these, what they called expats. Is that what they're called? Yeah. You know, they're all living like in Thailand and Philippines and like, you know, it's like, Oh, here's my rent. It's like $200. You know, it's a luxury home. And then, you know, I was, I was going to say Belize is very inexpensive. You can have like beachfront hotel. You'll spend 500 bucks a month to stay at a hotel on the beach. It's pretty wild. I was looking out for, for for a while in Mexico, um, mm-hmm. you know, just crossing the border, but the borders is so bad to cross. Like you, yeah, it's you like it's to, like an all day adventure just to cross that one little border. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Punta Mita in Mexico is a place that's you know kind of like a retirement community for Americans. Uh, it's near Puerto Vallarta and you know on the Pacific coast. Pretty pretty cool. I I actually did a a lot of work for a real estate company that sold property there. So oh, a lot of property to Americans retiring and wanting to have their money go further. Oh, I was just going to talk about some, not as major, but some minor things that we've, you know, we've sort of changed outlook on over the years. Like for yeah. example, uh, like our email systems that, you know, we, we talk about um, have changed how you've discovered, uh, you know, you know, when you got into tabletop. Oh yes. Tabletop simulator. Tabletop simulator. Um, I can't remember how you got on that or what happened to that. That, you know, that's a, I don't know if you ever discussed that. Yeah, I know we discussed you being on it, but we never, I don't think we ever discussed how you, you decided to do it and things like that. A lot of the time I, I really, whenever things like that happened, it has been fans pushing me to places that I didn't really want to go. It's like, but I'm comfortable here. I don't need to learn something new. Do I? And then a fan's like, please, I'd really like it. And so many others would too. It's like, ah, okay. I have to learn one more thing. And then I'm really glad I did, you know? So yeah, tabletop simulator is huge just for demonstrating a product, you know, huge. Yeah. Huge. It's been working out. <laughs> That's like me and discord. I don't, I don't like discord. I don't want to be on discord. Discord's <laughs> dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's actually Dis- discord has introduced some uh, new features. Yeah. The, uh, the app, it's like an app system or like an app market. Yeah. An it's app, an app directory. App directory. Which very cool adds some really n- neat functionality that you can't really get anywhere else. So it's going to make Discord a pretty unique place. When it, I could see this like certain communities really helping. Like I think there was like one where it's like it helped like role players if you're doing stuff. Yeah, that well now they have the Epic RPG bot. 
you can you can actually start an RPG there. One of the things that I think is probably most effective that I want to implement in my server is the leveling bot. So the more you talk and and participate, the more you level up, level and it'll up. actually display your level. It'll be like level thirteen or or you know level one. I was scrolling through our episodes, and like it's so funny because like I'm looking at it like our first ones, and it seems like we just did those not that long ago. Like they don't seem like they were that. I mean, like we talked about GameFound versus Kickstarter on our fourth episode. Like, yeah. oh, this, this, this is new. It's going to be different. And then uh, maybe we should do a follow-up on that. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah. How it's changed we, we now. Game found. For, you know, we made these year-end predictions mm-hmm. last year. I don't remember they were, though. I, I know. <laughs> I, I want to go back and listen <laughs> to that episode and figure out if, like, how true they were. And then we we definitely need to do a year-end prediction Again. episode this year, too. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll review how our how we scored. I predict then, the United States would go to civil war. It's going to be nuclear fallout. <laughs> <laughs> Not those predictions. By next year, the rapture of the church will happen before the tribulation. I'll look at Sean and be like, "Haha, as we're going up, I was right." That would be awesome. I'll be saying "Haha" whilst our heads are in the guillotines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ha-ha, I was right. Told you, dude. <laughs> Told you, dude. Oh my goodness. So, um, speaking, yeah, I know we briefly mentioned uh, Fractured Veil with Ryan Wianco. Uh, Hopefully I said his name right. I never, um, I forgot to, I was going to play his game and follow up. I've just been so busy. I haven't. Do you guys know what what he's up to or what's been going on? I think the last update I know is that they had to delay the early access because they wanted to make it better. So I think there was a slight delay. So I I think that they've had certain rounds of people in playtesting, but it hasn't officially launched so mm-hmm. you should still be able to uh follow it and be able to jump in when they I'll have to, release it off the bug i'm on discord the rear time yeah they have discord. a pretty active discord i, I yeah. think that's probably one of the best places for a video game to develop fans is, is the discord community so one of the um coolest projects i think we worked on this well we worked on since creating the podcast was the skyrim campaign which is pretty cool it was our first game found campaign as well so it kind of had that double kind of uh excitement about it and so that was really fun to work on a little bit challenging because you're working on a new system new platform that you haven't done before and it's a it's a big game big ip so you want to do a good job but it was a it was a pretty good campaign and yeah happy with how it went and we learned a lot that we can you know use going forward yeah yeah in fact uh even on okay. my end, I I made sure that there was a we had a separate server just for it, just in case you know, you know the apocalypse happened and a billion people you know jumped on, um, and which is something we I don't think I've ever discussed in the podcast is like you know we do one of the biggest things is we do landing pages and we host websites for for our clients, and uh, we actually manage all those on our own hosting servers, and so I have to sit there and play okay let's see here it's how how are we gonna balance this let's see because um you know. Like you'll have your 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 landing page up, but you, maybe you're just doing like a regular ad, or you're not doing like a big thing, and then all of a sudden, like you're you know you know like either like someone like notices you, and all of a sudden you're on all these media sites, and now all of a sudden you're getting all this traffic. So I have to be like balance waves of traffic and see, you know, uh, you know how busy is the site going to get? Where can I put it compared to others? Um, because hosting, you know, if you if you if you host by yourself on a dedicated server, it could be very expensive. And a way to cut back on costs and pass it on to our clients is by by share, sharing, having our clients, you know, share share the servers. Um, so yeah, so that's an interesting thing I don't think we've ever talked about is uh, 
web hosting on on uh, our you know for our clients uh, Kickstarter sites. And it's yeah, super important because if your site doesn't load quickly, then you can have it can really impact your, your advertising campaign. Yep. Yeah. Into the the old buyer. the old white papers always said three seconds or less or under three seconds is what you want. Yeah. Um, however, these days I think you need it quicker than that. I think you need like one second, or they just ah, it's too slow. Back button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With HTML five getting really nerdy here, you you had the ability to additive load. So the top of the website would load first, then the next things would load next, and so on and so forth. Um, so everything below the fold would still be loading, but above this above the fold, you have things load really quickly, and so that that's always that's become really helpful. But one thing I found was funny whenever Rick would would spin up a new website for us, like stage a new site for uh, one of our clients, I would do a bunch of stuff to it and I would um, cap the bandwidth so that I couldn't work on it anymore because we exceeded our bandwidth limit and Rick would have to go in and add more. Oh yeah, yeah. On our our, our older servers that we we yeah. had, uh, yeah, they, we we were capped from a from the, for the server at a certain amount, and it automatically gave like each like it, it created an account for each website, and so they had a certain cap. And sometimes we actually like they Andrew would be like, oh, we're hitting the cap. Can you raise it? I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. And then we got to the point where like we were using so much bandwidth. He's like, can you raise it? I'm like, I have nowhere to raise it from. We're out of bandwidth. Um, <laughs> with the newer servers, though, we've been pretty good. Um, we haven't got close to our to our bandwidth limits. Yeah, Do you have any servers in Europe or they're all based in the US? They are all based in Fremont, California. Yeehaw! Um, that's the closest uh, to our old uh, original headquarters. And so, and a lot of our clients are, well, our clients are everywhere, but um, it's it, they're very fast. Um, I think I got a couple on the East Coast, and I think I have one in Europe. But most of them are all because we also do clients that aren't Kickstarter clients. They're uh, you know hosting and and marketing clients that are here uh, near our, our office in in the West Coast. So would it be um, a good idea for Andrew to set one up in his office? Because then you have got like super internet. Yeah, the good thing with the ser- server uh, provider we're using now is we can like let's say there's like some kind of big event. I can literally hit a button and I can expand the uh, the the bandwidth. I can expand the CPU processors. I can expand the memory like with, within like, you know, just by clicking a button. So we can flex it if we need to. You, like I said, usually it's not a case. Um, or like, you know, if a client is using more resources than we thought they would and they're being a little hoggy, um, then we can up their up their um, their processor in uh, RAM to, to match the the needs. So um, that's what's nice about that. Plus, it's also on a, uh, it's it's got so many dedicated connections to it. I I mean, I've rarely ever seen one go out. And usually, if it goes out, it's because something on the like some one of the websites had like a little little glitch, and it sort of froze it up, and then you just hit the reset button, and it's fine. Um, so we've had really good um, results and uptime with the with the service providers we use. You know what? What is it's funny and sad and angering and all the above at the same time is that people don't understand hosting, but they would, they, they oftentimes want to tell us how and how much money they want to spend and what they want the host to do, even though they're completely ignorant of it. So it's like, you know, I just feel like saying, do you want your website or not? And so we actually (laughs) just added hosting in for free because nobody complains about free. Another it reason just, though why we keep our costs down is because we're just renting the servers. 
I'm installing all the software to make it so it'll it can manage the sites, the control panels, everything. So I'm doing all that. So whenever we we launch a new server, it takes me you know a couple hours to get it set up and ready to to accept websites because everything I'm doing, I'm doing by hand um, on the Linux command line, and as opposed to buying a system that's already done where you know it's like you know, it's it's crazy the the price difference of like knowledge can really save you money. If you, if you really want to learn something like a lot of people, like I just want the fastest, easiest WordPress host for my blog. And they spend like 50 to a hundred dollars a month on this like WordPress hosting platform that supposedly does everything for them where they can like spend like as low as like $5 a month if they knew how to do it themselves. And it's the same, like, you know, same hardware. So, but they're I doing mean, SEO for me. <laughs> what <no>. SEO? <laughs> Yeah. So that's been really interesting. Um, it's, it's also interesting because I, I've, we haven't really found a way to significantly impact S you know, uh, our, our like board game Kickstarters and things like that through SEO marketing, SEO is a long-term tech. Really it's a technique for mid to long-term results. And so to do that for Kickstarter, it doesn't make sense because you have a finite amount of time that it's useful before your Kickstarter launches and then ends. Yeah. Unless but, you're, unless you're like Andrew and you've, you know, planned your game, been working on your game many years before Kickstarter. So if you have an idea for a game and you're looking at doing organic SEO, you just want to do it right now. Like as soon as you right. have the idea and start working on your game, that's when you want to do it. Cause otherwise, yeah, like Andrew said, it's the thing. And there's a lot of platforms now. In fact, we discussed them in some of the later episodes that were really good that I, I thought were really awesome that also help with that as well. Like steam. I know we discussed Steam before about, you know, you can add artwork and stuff to that. And Steam's a great platform for searching and, and finding things. In fact, people do it all the time. They do a search for, you know, whatever you know type of game they're interested in and all the results pop up. So if you're on Steam for a certain uh, genre or topic, that's a big win for, for organic marketing. Um, you know, well, things what like might that. be a good game, Andrew, uh, a good idea is that when you do create your video game is on Steam you have a link to buy the physical board game. You might get a lot of sales that way, just yeah. organically on Steam, people perusing Steam, buying the video game. They're, oh, there's a board game too, and then buying the board game or vice versa. Yeah, I think that'll be awesome. One other thing that I think is effective with SEO marketing is when a game actually makes it to market and you want the game to be sold just you know, however many units a month you want to sell, it will always help if you can rank for uh, what I call a, an agnostic search term for deliverance. For example, it would be the search term would be Christian board games. So you you know if somebody's searching for Christian board games or Christian games, I want deliverance to show up, and I know that there are hundreds of people every month doing that. And so if I can just step into that traffic vein, you know, deliverance is going to make sales, and so I, I'm going to be able to sell those direct and whatnot. And so that's where. I think SEO in, in the long term will become very worthwhile for a company that has an evergreen title that if only people knew about it, they would buy it and, and that sort of thing. You're going to get um, a lot of results. So companies like, you know, Modifius or uh, we have Um Games, we, you know, there are others that are um, that we're working for that have those evergreen titles where they're going to be around for a while. There's the opportunity is there. So I find that to be very intriguing and something I really look forward to exploring this year, this upcoming year, rather, after we launch our darn game. 
Speaking of exciting things happening this year, what's what's going on with our uh, our crowdfunding nerds course? A lot. <laughs> so right now, a couple of people are play testing it, for lack of better terms. They're going through play it. And I'm playing it. <laughs> they're going to be uh, giving us their feedback. So that's going to be good. Currently working on a, an article that we're going to be releasing with Jamie Stegmeier, and that's going to either direct people to the course or get them on our email list that we can push the course there. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of like sort of things behind the scenes, like reg- like setting up the domain and upgrading the accounts and publishing things and uh, that that type of stuff. I added some quotes to the, the landing page. So it's just a lot of bits and bobs, but so it's coming along. It's just a little each day. I think that's sort of our, our philosophy. Yeah, and you know, with this course, I, I feel particularly compelled to not release it until it's perfect. And Sean actually is holding the, um, the I think the correct point of view of like, let's just release it and then we can make changes to it in the future. And I'm we kind of decided, Sean. yeah, yeah. That's probably the best way to go. You know, I'm just like, oh, well we need um, tons Otherwise, and tons of PDF downloads and all sorts of other things. It just never get released, right? Yep, it'd be like you'd be like you know, ten years on deliverance, you know. Yeah, like you know, I don't know if it's going to make one sale or a hundred or or what, but I can I can say that it'll make more sales with Sean's strategy and Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the Sean Rick strategy, um, or the Rick Sean strategy, and then uh, Sean Rick. The, yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, Brangelina. It's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have the George Lucas um, philosophy. We can kind of change it after it's released. <laughs> Put in that CGI. <laughs> yeah. So and if uh, it's yeah. crap, people will tell you. And we can make it better. You know, yeah, can you can make it better. It. And then you charge yeah. more. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, not so I, I definitely think that it's it is a scary moment. You know, when it when I peel back the layers of the onion, I think that it's a lot like a crowdfunding event where. I'm kind of scared that nobody will care, that nobody would buy it, that, you know, people wouldn't be interested and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I want to delay it to make it as great as possible, but in actuality, I'm just delaying it to have the, uh, the moment of pain or, or, or the, the moment of potential failure to be delayed as well, you know? And I think that that's one of our mindsets as creators that, you know, everybody listening to this podcast probably feels that to some degree that we just need to get over it and let the thing stand on its own and and it, it may succeed or it may fail. And the best you can do is control what you can control and don't worry about trying to control those things outside of your control, like the success of a product, you know, so wise words. <laughs> yeah, true words never spoken. Any other moments that were just standouts to you working here or things you got to experience? I, I love you all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, it's funny because you know we talked about we talked about uh, someone else we uh, hired in in the company, but uh, um, I got I got hired because I, I thought uh, I sent Andrew a nice thank you letter after I thought he rejected me, and then he hired me. So I think he felt funny bad for me. Story. You know what? So, okay. Yeah. So we hired Rick, but I, Rick originally was a referral from a local networking organization of uh, a, a client of ours named Adam with a solar company in San Diego referred Rick, who was a friend of his and Rick worked at a casino as the 
like the general, the the general guest, like guest relations manager. Yeah, the guy who said no and the guy who said yes a lot. Yeah, that's um, right. And fired people. He 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 called himself the Terminator. And so I didn't call that. myself Terminator. Others called me the Terminator, and I, oh. I was just correcting for mistakes that should have happened like twenty years ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, but he's he was pretty awesome. He has some good stories from from the casino days. He also worked at the zoo, and I think the coolest story I've ever been told was when a duck flew into the lion cage and or the lion enclosure, and the lions jumped on it and ate it. And the lady was like, "You know, fix it, fix it, save him." And Rick's like, "No, that's a terrible idea." But anyway, whole bunch of memories squished into one. But I, so originally we were looking for somebody that would be an SEO marketing associate. And we had our SEO marketing manager, Blake, who, um, you know, was uh, looking for somebody to work with. And we were moving really, you know, hard into SEO. This was, I think, in uh, 2019 or 2018. One of those two. I think it's 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2017. So we, uh, we were looking for somebody like that. And Rick applied. And I thought, man, this guy has too much experience. He's not going to be happy in this type of position. And so I thought, I just can't bring him on, you know, for, for this, because it's, um, you know, like when you, it's, it's kind of a catch 22, you know, you can hire somebody that's overqualified, but they might not be happy with the position and the pay and all of that when all said and done. And they may look for another job because they weren't, happy with the position to begin with. And so I just was concerned that Rick was, was, um, overqualified. And so, and then Blake told me, Hey, look, I want to become a developer. I want to work for, you know, another agency. And I, we didn't need like hardcore development skills. So I'm like, Hey, Blake, just, you know, work for me hard and we'll work to train, you know, find and train your replacement. And I, in return, will let you go on interviews and other things like that. So you don't have to like conceal that you're trying to, you know, get another job, you know, to kind of change the industry that he's working in. And he said, okay. And so I took another look at our list and was like, dude, Rick would be perfect to replace Blake and gave Rick a call and said, Rick, do you want a job? And, and I, well, I remember what I told him was Rick, sorry, you're not qualified to take the SEO marketing associate position. Rejection. Yeah, I told him this on the phone. And and then I said, um, would you like to take the management position that just opened? And he, so I don't know how that went. That story went from your end, but that's how I remember it. And then I went from SEO to WordPress development to, to all the hosting things. thingy to, man, and it got crazy for a while because, you know, for, uh, there was at least three of us for a while. And then there was just you and me for, I don't know how long it was a good chunk. Yeah. Six months to we a year, somewhere in there. We had a, an employee that uh, I think you and I both were scared of. Um, we were both scared of this person. I don't want to like out them or anything, but <laughs> it was like, I had a really hard time telling them, giving them any sort of feedback. And I was very worried. You were kind of the same way. I think you inherited my fear of this person. <laughs> Do you, are, you know what I'm talking about, Rick? <laughs> we worked in opposite corners of the of the uh, office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had an absolutely beautiful singing voice too, um, which I enjoyed. Yeah. But but I also talked, I was always funny because I always I always crap on everyone else's before. 
No, you you did not. <laughs> it's a yeah. secret. It's in the closet. Yeah. They, um, um, you don't go there. <laughs> they worked for us for like three years or so, and they the got a lot of skills. It really helped. But then they decided they didn't want to work in this industry and wanted to kind of transition out and, and whatnot. But um, the funnest times were, uh, so she would sing um, with her church and she would not she she would be recovering like she was like professional singer so she's like recovering her voice she was, she's writing on a notepad sometimes and she wouldn't speak uh but she would like look at me and then write something down on a notepad or write something down like like Val Kilmer from Top Gun and then point to the screen it was it was really funny just trying to get her to to laugh or something like that was really fun um, yeah um so that was so yeah so for a while it was just it was just Andrew and me and man it got crazy. Well, see, it, it's funny because you know we do we do marketing, but we also do web design. And for a while, the you know the web development was busy, and so you know that's why we had the person. But then all of a sudden, it like sort of just sort of disappeared, and everyone just wanted yeah. SEO, and no one wanted web development. So you know we had to come to that decision to to let that person go. But like, and then all of a sudden, like you know, like six months later, or, you know, something like that. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, we got like five uh, web development contracts we got to do right now. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> go Rick, on, go on top of everything else. <laughs> yeah. But I so, don't know WordPress. <laughs> yeah. And that's where Alex uh, kind of came in. So that's yeah. Pretty fun. Um, and then like the, someone before me that worked for you also, like, I don't know. I, I call it the Napoleon. Uh, he had the Napoleon, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Dynamite complex. Yeah, complex. complex. Yeah. Everything was like under his name and his secret code. Mm-hmm. And then he'd hide things. Like I literally like, like, like it took for some of our clients, like it took me forever to figure out how to like change things and log in and do things because they were all like, we had our, our employee login or our company login, but then also he had his own personal login and then he'd lock everybody else out. So like you'd mm-hmm. go in and be like, Oh, I can't, update this or i can't add a even though i'm labeled as administrator edit. yeah and it says administrator. i'm administrator why is it not working and then like yeah. we'd find their secret login and i'd get into it and be like whoa what's going on over here and then everything was under it he used it he used his own marketing name he didn't even use, like yep. his <laughs> yeah. own marketing i don't think he, he was even representing the company, company he, yeah. yeah i was like what is this <laughs> yeah it was it was funny it was really tough because he was um the first employee i ever hired back in 2014 and I didn't really know. I mean, I didn't have confidence in myself um, as a as a boss, but the work was there was so much work that I couldn't really do it on on my own anymore. And so I I was in essence forced to hire someone to just keep up with the demand. And uh, started out great, but then you know he got all salty, and I I don't know. It was a uh, he wanted us to become like a web development and hosting company. I'm like, but I don't know how to do those things. And, you know, he's like, just was, uh, just had kind of a different vision. And I think he, you know, he wanted me to make him my, my, you know, 50, 50 business partner. And, and when I didn't, he, uh, just became real salty and was like, well, I'm starting my own thing. What he, he, and like stole from you by tired hitting things, putting things in his own name. Yeah. He definitely used his own services and things like that. And, uh, we it took like a year to probably untangle the web. I would say it was a little unethical, but not you know nothing that's like blaringly like wow that was illegal or wow he really stole from us or something like that. It wasn't like that, but okay, it was just a bit uh, 
Yeah, it but it was definitely sketch. It was sus. Sus. It was sus. I was always laughing too because like I'm 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 really particular how I do things like coding wise. So I I love I love coding, but I hate WordPress. So it's like a love hate relationship because that's like all of our websites are WordPress. And it's funny because like I'm looking sometimes I'll go into these older sites that we we manage that were made by other people, and I'm like, why is there like 50 plugins on this? Like and like you know some people are like, oh that's how I program plugin for this, a plugin for that, a plugin for this. And I'm like, ah, and that's sit there and fix it and untangle it. Cause that's back, like back in the, back in the good old days in, in 2018, uh, WordPress sent, tend to crash a lot because plugins didn't like each other and themes didn't like each other. And there was no like standard. So as soon as some, one thing updated, everything else crashed and broke and you had to go in there and just like try to figure out what's causing it. And it was a pain. I mean, it yeah. still does that now, but not as bad as it did. And that concludes our 100th episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. If you have listened to us uh, now and in the past and something has caught your eye or fancy or really made an impact to you, please let us know by heading over to our Facebook group. We're going to have a, a posted poll or a question there uh, that you can respond to. We would love to hear uh how uh, crowdfunding nerds has affected you and in in your uh, journey through your um, Kickstarter or game uh, gamefound event, um, and of course, as always, visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com to view all of our or listen to all of our episodes. And coming soon is our crowdfunding nerds course, so stay tuned for that. And until then, we will see you next week. Stay happy, stay nerdy, and we'll see you in the next hundred. Peace out.